We'll start the Zman almost on time, just two minutes early. And we have a number of people on here. Rach Hashem, we even have uh, Psaic on there. Okay, good. We got uh, Psaic and uh, New Hempstead. And uh, we'll expect Tzvi. I don't know who um, Perk is, but maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. At least we got the mysterious, what were you called? Yeah, we'll find out what that is afterwards. But he really does exist, so... um, that's good. So I, I, we should start with what you just mentioned. I don't know, is that newsworthy that uh, fans are putting cardboard uh, pictures of themselves in the thing? Because it happens to be Nagea to what we just said in Shira on Shabbos. And um, we were talking about the Chazal of encountering the Eight Sahara, Mashcheu Lebeis Medrash. So I mentioned the uh, Marshall, which I think for Americans is important. Mashcheu Lebeis Medrash, as people learn, is Slap him into the best just start learning, and then Barasi Yitzahara, Barasi Tera Tavlin. That is the push-up shot. It also means even if you're not learning, you're not ready to learn, first get him into the best medjush so you have the home court advantage. And then you can start battling the Yitzahara, but if you're away somewhere in his turf, it's not a good idea. So we were discussing a little bit the home court. I, I did ask the Elam, and they verified that the statistics clearly show that they win more games at home. That, that, I, think so. I think that was the assumption. So this um, Mishagas or concept that fans are, they're, they're taking pictures. Is this like 3D printing, like Levy Magid? No, just right? cardboard. Just a cardboard, but like a picture of yourself. Guy, like Otherwise guys. it's distracting to the players to play in front of empty seats. So. Aha, uh-huh. so they have a bunch. Okay. So there is Lahabdal Fabdullah, an important hashkafa of they want to give them the the home team advantage and therefore like they recognize which ones are from Texas and which ones are from New York. Maybe they could recognize depending on what the cardboard things are. But uh well put it this way, I was gonna say it's Marasayan on Tuesday because you have to have a very strong Hislavis for the sport to send in a cardboard image. And whether it's a hetter to go, remember the first cool of Hukasaim, Ramesha says it's not Hukasaim. Preaches Bitl Terry, everything else. But if you show that much Hislavis, you could be running uh, a risk. Um, I will say I, the honest truth is I, I did plan on trying to catch up slowly with the number of interesting shots that came in over our long break. This is the longest break we had. And people rightfully complained. We should have had Shia last week. But I wasn't sure everybody was here. So somebody had asked me, we're not going to speak about this tonight, but it's an interesting issue. I never thought about it because I never had the schuss uh, of having an invitation to a bridal shower. I wonder why. So he asked me, are these things from the Goyim? Is this Chukasayim? Is this Arminig? So we're not going to talk about that now, but the uh, brief survey was that the, the Goyim, we definitely didn't start such a thing. And that doesn't necessarily trafe it up, as we try to remind everybody, at least on an annual basis, of the Gedarim of Chukasayim. But uh, one of the uh, sources they quote is that they used to give money and gifts to a bride whose father was fire and brimstone against the Shidduch, and to help her be over and keep it off, they would help her out because the father didn't want to pay for it. If that's the reason, that's pretty nefarious. That's pretty awful. If that were the only reason, then that would be classic. It definitely comes to the Goyim and the fact to make a party, but that does not serve it necessarily. But if that's the reason, 
if it's rooted in bad midas, uh, preachers, of or things like that, that's pretty gaishazah. The other shot is that they did it for poor kalas who couldn't afford. That makes sense. And then maybe we're doing it concurrently, and if we didn't, it's not a bad idea. And we do that. We just don't do it in a bridal shower. So I don't know how common. Well, we'll speak about it uh, under a separate cover because I, I'd like to see Bechol Tzvitz Yisrael, how common or uncommon, what form it takes. Giving presents to the Chasnakala is certainly well within uh, the purview. And the fact that people are signing up and they're doing it earlier at the Vart, that, that I don't have a big issue with. That is the separate issue for the bridal shower. But as long because you raised the issue with the uh, cardboard fans, so I figured I'd say it now, but I really I plan on getting to it later. Yeah? I was going to ask, is it, has it always been the minimum as well to, for not just the, the actual families? To give, give for, for, yeah. For, right, to give yeah. other people involved in gift giving. I don't know how long, nobody had any money, so it's hard to gauge these minhagim. If you have a minute involving money, like for 2,000 years, <laughs> most places it wasn't that nagaya. Like Ramosh's famous chuvo, he starts discussing a basic shayla in the entire Mesech Tzubis. What is the Tzuba worth? So you're wondering, you look at the title of the chuvo. why is Ramosh writing a chuvo on this? This is like Paragraph of the whole Mesech Tzubis. is writing a chuvo on it? And then when you start the chuvo, you're even more confused. He says, we don't really know, we don't have a Mesech on it. It's the whole Mesech But the answer is, they never collected it. Nobody had any money. They wrote the Ksuba, Tosefus Ksuba, nobody had any money, nobody collected it. It wasn't a smachta that they weren't collecting because everybody knew they weren't collecting nobody had any money. Were there Gvirim? There were some Gvirim. But even that meant relative to everybody else and they didn't collect it. Now, often it's not collected, as we've discussed in the Shirm as of late in Shabbos afternoon, because it's usually a subset and usually swallowed up in all the other negotiations because of the vast amount of money or... Not so, such a vast amount, but they're fighting over it anyway. Really, that gets thrown in. And once in a blue moon, by the way, you know, it is collected when nobody has any assets but that they can afford. But, you know, that's just a pella. That's like for so many hundreds of years, it wasn't like, yeah, Russia says they never had a Masera because they weren't collecting it. So you ask, was it the minic to give, to write checks when you went to Hasnas? They, they probably gave gifts. Uh, well, it's not like whatever, then. No, Sivanis is the Hasnas of the Kala. So I, it doesn't talk about the people, but that you can't say as a gasayim, you're eating somebody's meal, you want to help him defray the course. Yeah, but that's still a select group of people. Right. That's not all the guests. So I would imagine, I, I, I never even researched it because I don't think it's a problem. I'd be curious from a historical standpoint. You could probably find out. You're always good at that. You're always quoting your great-grandfather. And Germany had some money. A little bit. What, find out from the family. In 1896, when they made a chasna on Friday, Erev Shabbos, an hour before Shkia. Wow, that's a funny time to bring presents, where they put everything. What? <laughs> oh, what? Even at Israel. Right, I'm saying, but they, they bought gifts? That's why everybody made it in Erev Shabbos. Right, that we know. The question is, did they bring gifts? It's a, Probably not because they who bought gifts. <laughs> they didn't have okay. So even in Germany, what? <laughs> I mean, Arab Shabbos an hour before Shabbos. By the way, because you make where they put the gifts. There's no code room. Like where the, the cotton room. Where they? <laughs> it's just like it's a point to think about. It's like we have we have a matzah here where like it's not similar 
at all to what was going on. So like, Tzaddik's laughing, as he usually laughs at the Americans here. Well, <laughs> although I hope you got over the spy accusation before, but you know, people were... I just reported You just reported <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, we should have been worried about that. Uh, but um, so to answer your question, it's a good question. Like, were they giving it? I don't know. It's hard to measure if nobody really had much to give. Doesn't mean nobody, but it, it probably wasn't the many. But interesting thing to find out. So we'll save the bridal shower uh, for some other time. I'm not saying it's us, sir. Certainly, if it's to help poor, poor uh, kalas, and that was the minig, and you want to help out people in the middle of plug, that, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be to us, sir. Uh, two things I did want to get to. Two of the many. One is from Avramizon, who is a a avid uh, listener who sends in always interesting shaylas. If you look back in this is a Valtasha shayla for our sugya. Uh, you look back in Devarim where it describes the Muhammad. So if you have a Chumash handy, if not, you can look it up afterwards. But the Rashi is uh, pretty bullet. It says they went to war and Nokar is called Ara, Beisahi, and Achim is called Ir. This is by Muhammad Sikhanaig. And they had a resounding victory and they basically took over, and then it became sort of an achala of Klai Yisrael that we talked about a lot over the summer. It was supposed to be an achala, Ruven God, the request. Rashi is going to go on. So Rashi says, Why? People were very interested. Is Kenya Muhammad. We don't, the minute today is they don't take things when they take over, at least officially. So the UN has laws, and it was discussed this past Sunday in the Nabishir. The Americans keep the laws. Uh, I think in Israel they try to keep it. It looks good for world opinion, and nobody else does. But the laws are you don't take. If you have to conquer, you don't take booty. But halachically, and for all of history, if you had the heter to fight in the first place, which is questionable, but if you had to fight already and they were coming to kill you, the guy would have a head to the fight. Not an offensive war, according to the Sam Sefer. Then if you could kill them in self-defense, you could, after you get rid of them, take their, take their booty and take the cities and take the money. And halachically, the Warren Gittin says that quite clearly. And uh, as I always remind myself and everybody else, we have to take the clear-cut halacha and ashkafa from the Chumash and from Shas and put it into our Shkav Zachayim, not take the criminal liberal things. This isn't so crumb. You want to say nobody should steal. It probably makes a better world for the way things are today. But that doesn't mean inherently it's wrong if the Torah assumes that Pasha is a Kenya Muhammad. That's an important thing to point out. The only moral compass we have is Shas and Paiskim. Otherwise, you're going to be eternally lost. So with that disclaimer... He says, they took it, and they took Biza, and they needed the uh, money, and they uh, didn't need it, but they can use it. Shabbat Biza Zayg, that was Mecham Mesicha. Now they're at the next Mecham by Oig, Kfar Hayu Seveim So Rashi says, they had so much booty, they didn't need anything more, they were full. Like, they couldn't get, you know, Adsha... They, had, they couldn't take any more. There was clothing, beautiful suits, the Kalem lying around. Couldn't take any more. It was a bazooya they, they didn't, it was almost like, they had no interest. 
So what they do, they ripped it, Makarim Ashlichim Behema U They ripped the Begadim and the Behemas didn't shach them, they just uh, ripped them apart, they whatever, shot them, they got rid of them. not And if they found gold and silver, that they took, that always has some value. So Avrami wants to know, isn't that the Baltashmas? This is a Rashi. Rashi's quoting it's a free. The answer is, is that if at a point in time where you're so wealthy that it doesn't mean much to you, things that the streets were really paved with gold and the gold wasn't worth much. So if you remember from the Navish here, we must have spoken this out just six, seven years ago. Uh, you were here then, I think. Is that good for the economy if the gold is worth nothing? It's horrible. That's runaway inflation. So why is that considered a bracha? They were so wealthy. The answer is they were talking about the internal interest, the lack thereof, in gold and silver. Nobody needed it. Baruch Hashem, the ones that had measures weren't distracted. The outside world was still interested, and the gold kept its value for international trade. Otherwise, if everything devalues, that's not a good economic report. So here, they didn't need it. So what are you going to do now? So you, his question is, why rip it up and throw it away? So leave it for somebody who needs it. The answer is, who's the somebody who needs it? You've got two players here. You've got Klai Yisrael, and you've got Duma Salem. Duma Salem, the enemy combatants. So what do you do? So the answer is, you blow up. This is done in conventional warfare. You blow up the supplies. You destroy them. You burn them. You don't leave them for the enemy so they can gain access and regroup and have supplies. Because that's not going to be good in case you ever have to fight them again. So they didn't need them, and that doesn't pay to schlep it back home, because that costs money also, and they had no interest in it. So they destroyed it. That's all Rashi is saying. But they took possession of this land, so they, they should have kicked everybody out. They did. Nobody but should be taking this. But. Yes, but they, you know, taking possession is they won the war. Now the dust is settling, and as you see from the conversation of Moshe Rabbeinu, who's getting it, and we've got to divide it up, and it was very unclear. It's even unclear the Rishayim Yachran we spoke about during the summer when we, when we discussed this on Shabbos. Who was it supposed to be for? Was it supposed to be part of Reis Yisrael? We are going to go to ask, and then Moshe Rabbeinu to fill up the land, sent Menashe, and they were learning, so he sent them along. It was unclear who's going to inhabit this, but then they had to go build cities. That took a long time. It's a, a wide swath of the wild east here, and it takes years to settle it. So who says they're not going to counterattack? So the first thing they do is they, uh, when they if they're running, if they're running, they treat, they suddenly destroy it. But even if not so, apparently, yes, they secured it, and they had Nisim in the flow. So you're saying they shouldn't have been scared there's going to be a counterattack with the Nisim they saw. They didn't need it for the foreseeable future, and what are they going to do with it? So just uh, throw it out. Which is a level of a sheer is hard to understand because when they start moving in and building cities, so the soldiers didn't need it, but you got Gans Klai Yisrael over here, you got three million people. No one, three million Jews, nobody can trade it on Amazon. Like, the, <laughs> nothing. Like, what, what? That, that's a level of Ashir's that sounds like a Shlomamal, that it was, the, the gold was, uh, for them, almost uh, not worth it. So it is a Chiddush, it's a good Kasha, I think that's the Pshat and it's a free, but it is a bit of a Chiddush in the Metzius. Uh, second one is something we'll get to as we develop the Sugya, uh, probably not before Shoshana, but the aspect of when you're allowed to serve very generously, we call it Balabatish, for makamitzvah, for a suda, for a simcha, and not run into baltashchis. And we mentioned this at the beginning of the sugya. It's something we have to get to because we're throwing out. Caterers are throwing out. Somebody's the uh, people clearing off the table. Somebody's throwing out lots and lots of food, and they don't recover most of it because 
Board of Health does has parameters, have their parameters. You can take whole things and whatever. They try their best. So uh, Yisrael Krakow wanted to know why is it that the Gemara says Rabbi Abo would prepare an entire calf just for a kidney, just for some Allah Malka. So it's a fair Gemara. How are you allowed to do that? Like who ate the rest? They didn't have refrigeration then. So who, who ate the rest? So the answer is Pasha Sachidish in this Gemara. The answer is is that if you're doing something for covered Shabbos, Malamalka is covered Shabbos. Lava, Malamalka. So if you're doing something for Shabbos or for Matzah Shabbos, Tavah Shabbos, or possibly for a Simcha within reason, and you're serving big, you're allowed to do that. Where do we see this from? What's the earliest Raya? The very early Raya for this. Thank you. I'm a shakta. Tire animal, the tongue is a very small part. It's a chiddish. She thought they would eat that much because first they shakta a whole animal for the tongue. I'm not saying the it's not a raya muchachas because he didn't throw out the rest. He had a whole household running yeshiva and he served it Thursday night for Mishma. But right now, his main kavana, afterwards, I'm sure, he made sure it didn't go to waste. But his main kavana now is it wouldn't be baltashis. You're allowed to serve generously. And if this is what he wants, this is his mitzvah and he was really interested in doing it and it was a hot day and he was so upset he couldn't do it. So he was very excited. So if you're doing it for the Slavas, you're doing the mitzvah well. Sounds like you're allowed to do that, that each tongue is pretty large. And he served it. Does that mean he thought they were going to eat it? No. You serve nicely. So you're allowed to do that. And that's the heter. I don't know if you've noticed this over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but most houses have leftover chont. So, and the excuse always is, why, was, you know, why do we have so much? It just grew. The chont grows. That's one of the nisim of... Why? Yeah, right. So it, uh, it just grew. It, they do. <laughs> that would be too small. I know it's size. It grew. So, uh, so, but then you end up throwing out. So that's all we don't throw out because the old joke, the adults eat it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and the Bar meet it Wednesday, Thursday, or the other way around, something like that. We have some joke like that. Uh, so, uh, so we don't throw it out. But even if you would, you're allowed to serve nice for covered Shabbos. You just shouldn't do it when it's your Tuesday night dinner, which is also a mitzvah to hold body and soul together. But it's not... It's not for the ma'ura of Shabbos or Chasna or something like that. So this is going to be a concept that we're going to get back to. There's a lot to say on this point. We're going to talk about Havdalah and how much you should spill. And there are a lot of, as it is with all us, the reason I picked them is that they're very, very nogea to many areas of our life that we take for granted. The question is what the parameters are and how much are you indeed allowed to spill. But we're not going to get to that before. You're going to make many Havdalahs before we get to that. What? Extremely no gear for the people who did it already, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, you, uh, you told me about a couple of friends. We were just discussing it yesterday, right? <laughs> so that t- the tattooing, by the way, was the most no of all them because it became the Chavolosh here. So, uh, okay, those are the two um, of the many. Uh, the last one, which will segue back into our Marmar Um I don't know why somebody sent this to me. It wasn't one of our listeners. It's actually Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft sent this, Shiloh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I noticed this. They sent somebody supposed to be on a junk email, but Microsoft sent me a Happy National Dog Day on August 26th, which was recently. So we thank Microsoft for being Marbet's terror and didn't realize that that would uh, segue straight into the sugya. Uh, one of the coolers we had seven weeks ago, you can go to your Marmot Chemist now, uh, was the fact that in the first Ma'amokam, which we're going to review now quickly, that you cannot feed food that's fit for human consumption to animals. Not because of Baal necessarily, because of Bizayin Eichlin. 
Rashi says you're mistreating food. Food is a, the Bria was created to feed humans and animals, but there are different levels of food, and you're not supposed to take something that's fit for human consumption and feed it to the animals. We'll uh, go back to that Mamokam where it says it in a moment. And I mentioned already, and we will get to this later in this set, uh, there is an Indian to feed dogs of all the animals because of the dogs, their connection, not that they know they're related, to the dogs of Mitzrayim, and we give them things that are of pieces of meat, but not chashotas because they're trefa. Maybe an available to discuss the chilling. So, dogs, I'm not saying therefore you should get a dog. Dogs do play a role, and when we discuss the head term of what in Europe was done commonly, they fed food to animals because they had animals in the backyard, and Petco wasn't selling then special animal feed. And that's a big kasha on this whole sugya. We first have to see what the makaras are for the iser, but then figure out what the heter is. So, dogs have a heter if you feed them stam. Nevelis and Trefus for sure. Trefus for sure, probably Nevelis. And then the question is, there are many people, we're not here to attack people who own dogs. Um, not a particularly Yiddish minig, but there might be reasons for it uh, in a particular case or two or three. And often when they have a barbecue, Labor Day, <coughs> they're making hot dogs and steak and hamburgers and chicken or whatever they're making. And they have the father, the mother, the kids, and the dog. And the dog gets the same cuisine. So that already is a problem for this sugya. A second problem somebody raised after we just started the first mamakam when we left off a number of weeks ago, somebody said that in the Cholomite trips, which we're going to start talking about, Sheshim and Ketan Chag, was about now, uh, they go to the uh, petting zoos, like they go to, you know, they have like little cute little sheep and goats and things like that. See, he said last time he was there, anybody who remembers this can confirm or deny, they had a store there, which was making money, besides the zoo itself, and they were selling regular crackers that you can buy and feed to the goats. I said regular crackers like, you know, pashkas. He said, well, it wasn't pashkas. It's probably Ritz or something like that. But yeah, crackers, something like that. So that's a regular human food. You're now feeding it to a goat. I, it's been many decades I went to one. I remember feeding them grass. But maybe I was just trying to save money. Uh, anybody remember? No? When was the last time you took the uh, kids? Anybody here? What? It's like pellets or something. You know? Pellets? Yeah, they're special, special their food. And, but it's a little pellet. It's animal food. Okay. So that's not a problem. Somebody said they were selling crackers. It could be he was mistaken they were selling crackers to the humans and he bought it and fed the animals in violation of the Zulia. That's, uh, that's possible. It's animal crackers. Okay. Got all confused. Okay. That could be. Uh, it's possible. Anything's possible. They have carrots. Okay, so carrots um, that are not cooked are taka, horse food. Maybe that's why. And they feed into them not cooked. But the problem is we eat it not cooked now also. Okay, that's part of the problem over here. So let's go back with that in mind. A little cover to the dog. It was National Dog Day. So we ate to that. I hope that's not chuk Sam. And let's go back to the first Mar Mokram on page one. This will go through a little quicker because I assume you chazed it since we, um, since we did it uh, many weeks ago. Amar Le Rava, toward the bottom of the Amid. It's a Gemara in Tainus on Chafam Abez. This is the only one Gemara that says the Farish, there is such an Issa. There are copies in the back and over here. If you didn't get, you can. Amar Le Rava, Le Rafa, Papa. 
Also an unusual Gemara, but this is the source for uh, biographies, Edelim stories. Not that I need the source, if you can get inspiration. He said, can you tell us something about the Tzitkas of Ravuna? He was no longer here. Can you tell us some Maitzim from Ravuna that would teach us his uh, Tzitkas and his Diktik Ba'alacha and his Yidurim? So skip down to the second mice, the one that get to us. Next bracket. Every Arab Shabbos, he would send a shliach to the shuk. They were selling their vegetables there. He was instructed the very last half hour before closing. Anything they had left, he was instructed to buy it, which is a big tzitkus to be even worrying about this and paying for it. And he should buy it up, and what I was going to say later, this is to encourage them to always be there with a healthy amount of vegetables, the covered Shabbos, because otherwise they get discouraged. They didn't sell so much, and next time they're going to bring less or not come at all. So you don't want that. So he wasn't mechiv to do this, but that was part of his sitkus. And he bought it. His second set of instructions were after even buying everything, throw it into the river. So the Gemara says, throw it into the river, why don't you give it to the Aniyim? That's Mamish Baltaj, we're throwing to the river for. So Gemara says he thought of that and it's not a good idea. Zimnin de Samcha da Tayu, if they every week they get free carrots and cucumbers and lettuce, they're not gonna bring whatever small change they might have, their Aniyim, and buy it because they're gonna be signed Michal, get it for free, and then one day they'll sell out, there won't be anything left for the Aniyim, and then they won't have for covered Shabbos. It'll be a Zilzil for covered Shabbos. Okay, so you can't give it to the Aniyim because it's going to cause a problem later. Give it to the animals. My answer is Now the word Kasavar, I'm pointing this out, is going to come up later. When the Gemara says Kasavar, does that mean that was his unique Shita? And we don't agree, meaning the other Marama might argue, it doesn't quote anybody who's Chalik. Or no, it was his unique Chiddush, but everybody agrees. So is Kassavra a diak or not? That makes a big enough community. Do we pass on like this? Or is this somebody who argues? What? It doesn't say Kassavra by the Niyam, sorry. That, everybody agrees, but that's not a halachic stance. That's just a logistical issue. We don't want the economy to be such that certain segments are going to rely on getting something for free. That was also the last thing we discussed before we took our break. Uh, <laughs> Interesting, everything ties in. And then all of a sudden it's not there. That could be not good for cover Shabbos and possibly Leilein and dangerous. So that, that I don't think is a halach position that anybody would disagree with. Here, he's saying a chiddish, which the place can struggle with. That means the barbecue, you can't give your dog uh, some of the hamburger and you can't feed the animals in the backyard what you're eating. And, um, but he held it with us. So Shaili is his kasavar, his unique sheet or not. And should we possibly like him? The Gemara says, well, why is he doing this whole operation in the first place? The Gemara says, because the vendors have to be encouraged to bring their things for covered Shabbos. He wants them to have ample supply, and they're going to bring less and less or not come if we don't buy, so therefore we want to buy up the rest. It's a real Midas Chasidus. He spent money on this, and this was his Ava for covered Shabbos, and uh, he didn't want people to be without. So that was a, uh, that was a godless in his part. Okay, the big surprise is in Rashi. Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi tells you what the Maskana is going to be. If they have a lot left over, 
Midi means anything, but if they sell 90%, they'll probably be, be very encouraged. But it means a, an amount that they would be discouraged and they can't keep it, Rashi says. They didn't have refrigeration or anything like that, or freezers. Aslo Leibum, why? The Michmesha is going to shrivel up just over one day. We're not, still not used to this. And after it went to waste, they can say, what do we need this for? It's very interesting because the way our stores are set up, again, per your question before, the dynamics are very different. You have big stores here in Muncie and Flatbush and anywhere else. I'm talking about even the from stores. I don't need Muncie or Flatbush. I could take AMP, ShopRite. They all work the same. For many years, they have huge sections with vegetables and produce. The produce section is huge by these places. You've got a stop and shop. You don't need a Jewish store for this necessarily. So, what's their mahalach? How do they make money? I always wondered. Yeah, I, you walk in, never, uh, I'm not in there often, but you've all, we've all seen the inside of big stores. <laughs> like, what do they do? There's so much rafchus, there's so much on the shelf. They, they're obviously pricing that in, and they're, they're making money. Somebody's making money because they're still open. And you can't just survive on checks from the government. So how they make money? The answer is they price it in. They know on average that people who study this, and we sell 40%, 50%, 80%, I don't know what the numbers are, and we've got to market up this amount, uh, and we're throwing out this amount. Well, that's a science already, and they, they have to be knowing what the numbers are beforehand, or else you're taking huge risks. Okay, there'll be time, and there's downtime, and then there's corona, more people came, less people came, never run on it. But uh, I remember when I was visiting my parents, the three days, I was out of town. I was in Miami. This is in the free ticket there. I remember six months ago when the world was... Uh, so they had Baruch Hashem, Siat Shemaya, the first time ever flown directly there instead of coming here. God sent, literally. They didn't come to New York. <laughs> And so they said, ah, my gosh, stop here. I said, I'll come down. I'll come down for three days. I left right after perm. Spent the whole time on the phone with New York uh, because the world was falling apart. And I remember uh, the first night I was there, I just went with the Rebison to CVS or whatever that was down there. I think it was a CVS. Just to get some basic. We were there for Shabbos. So. And I remember he wanted to get some basic stuff. And we went over to him as a where is everything? We just flew in. He smiled. He says, I don't get it. Everybody went crazy. This is March 16th. And there was a... Uh, so they, they, have to, they can't plan for that. It's, you know, it seemed like that sticks in your head. I don't know if you had uh, Muncie the first week, the same problem. People panicked about the strangest products, and I won't go into that. But uh, you, all, you all were alive six months ago? You remember that? Bizarre. Just the way people uh, so he have a situation they're not bracing for corona, but they have to know there's a swing and a range, so they know overall, various seasons, this is what we come out with. So why doesn't stop a shop have to be encouraged in order to stay open to buy all their produce because they might not want to stay open otherwise? We're talking about vegetables that shrivel up unless they're putting it back in the freezer. I, I'm just it's not a, it's not a cash it's just a question. Okay. They move it around and then they, they downgrade it in price. Okay. So Rashi says this shriveled up over Shabbos. So yeah. They end up getting more from Okay, okay. So Rashi says this didn't have any staying power. 
And therefore, they had to be encouraged. But it's interesting. Like, what were all the other vendors doing? They were shopping at the time of the Gemara. So the answer is Tuesday they ate it at home, or Tuesday they were able to hold it till Wednesday morning, but not the whole Shabbos. So this was a concern. Was it a real concern? Well, the other part, they did all the other cities did make this gazera. So it couldn't have been that much of a concern. Elamai, they came in, they priced it in, and they sold 70%, and then they came back on Sunday. Rav Hoon is godless. The reason this is listed as a tzitkus is that he was concerned that even one vendor shouldn't leave. We want Ravchus to produce. I'm willing to spend the money. I'm just trying to explain that. This can't be a built-in problem, because if it was, that every town would have to be dealing with, would have to have a story with Ravah and with Abai, and with well, in the same city, but we'd have to have this story more than once in the Gemara. The answer is, that's why it's a chasidus. So how do we do it today? So today we have longer staying power, but they're putting out a lot more. So they still have to price it in. So that's not baltashchis, just like we serve big. They have to put a lot, because they have to attract customers. More is getting wasted. So we live in a small society, and it has to look like it's overflowing. And um, you know, you mentioned to me on a couple of occasions that even as late as your childhood, which is pretty recent, uh, you're pretty young. Like, not, not everything was always on the shelf. You mentioned that. Too. It's an understatement. <laughs> like nothing was on the shelf. Yeah, and that's like modern times. Like, and we're just used to like everything's. That's oh, pretty. Socialism. Yeah, I'm just saying. But like, there's nothing. Maybe bring that up with some people before the election. Uh, but, uh, you know, the results of the theory, which works great on paper. Um, yeah, there's nothing on the shelf because there was no impetus. That's what this guy, he wanted to make it very Kadai. So he, so it's Kadai for stop and shop and all the guys, well, shop right, all the guys to do it because they're, yeah, they're throwing out a lot, but we need to attract the customers. So that's a good Baltasha shop. You're allowed to do that. The answer is they're doing it in Evergreen and in uh, Rock and Kosher and Wesley Kosher and all the other places also. And they're throwing out more because of that. So why is that mutter? The answer is you've got to attract the shoppers. It has to look like it's overflowing and everybody's having a great time and it's pretty and colorful. That's part of the, uh, part of the sales pitch. So on that positive note, we should be thankful for the tremendous produce we have. And we'll take your question afterwards and we'll see everybody. I'm happy everybody made it back. And for those who are on Zoom, we're happy you're watching. And um, it's a shame we'll see everybody here soon.